When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And yeah, I'm having a tough time talking. That's hard for people who know me really well to understand. But got a little cold that's gotten down into my throat. But uh, I'm going to let my co-pilot, Spencer Holbrook from LettermanRow.com, do a lot of the flying on this episode. And I'm really excited, by the way, to have as my guest this week, former Buckeye. Great guy. Great guy when he was there. and Even better... Better guy maybe now, Chimdi Chekwa checks in. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, uh, including, you know, what would be his advice to Denzel Burke, who had a little bit of a tough time on Saturday. Uh, Denzel Burke, Ohio State's um, probably premier corner, although Cam Brown might be giving a run for his money. But, you know, cornerbacks, man, they live out there on an island, and sometimes uh, you get shot at a lot, and uh, and you've got to deal with it. and You've got to deal with the basically the, uh, the disappointment of, of maybe not playing the way some people think you should on a consistent 100% basis. But, but uh, Spencer, uh, it's cool to have a have a former quarterback, a guy who played in the NFL on my podcast this week, to just talk about that very thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And when you play cornerback, and Chimney, Chimney knows this better than anybody, you've got to have a high level of confidence. And if that confidence gets broken, you know, it, it can be a long road back to, to regain that and to feel like you're yourself again out there on that island. And so – you know, it's a great conversation for Chimney to be a part of and, and to get that insight from him. You know, it's something that you can't get anywhere else, especially, you know, from a perspective of somebody who's been on the field in the horseshoe, who's given up some some plays and had to bounce back from it before. You know, Chimney knows it better than anyone. So it's good to have him on to uh, to chat about that. Yeah. You know, as we speak, Marvin Harrison Jr. is being named uh, one of the players of the week in the in the Big Ten this week uh, for what he did in that game against uh, Arkansas State, you know, the catches and then the, the three touchdown catches, just just the second person in Ohio State history to have at least three three touchdown catches in two different games, joining Joey Galloway in that little short, small pantheon. But uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., man, turning heads, right, while Jackson Smith and Jigba is uh, champing at the bit to get back in there. Yeah, you talk about corners who need to have their confidence checked. Those Arkansas State corners had a really tough time against Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you know, he's just he's so special to him. The way he runs his routes, gets in and out of those cuts, uh, can can really dictate what corners do out there and really dictate what defenses do. Uh, you talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back. It's another layer to that offense that defenses have to prepare for. And it's going to leave a lot of one on one opportunities for Marvin Harrison Jr., for Emeka Ibuka and, and guys to to get open. I'm really excited to see what what the Stroud to Harrison connection looks like. We already know what the, the Stroud to jsn looks like we've seen it you know i think we saw it 96 times we've seen it 98 times now in in just a season in, in one game yeah uh, you know really excited to see that the the stroud harrison connection become more of a staple of the ohio state offense yeah we're gonna get in we're uh i get into that actually with uh chimney check well how would you cover marvin harrison jr <laughs> what do you think about his moves what sets him apart etc so you know what uh, without without further ado especially with my voice being the way it is Let's get to my conversation with Chimdi Chakwa, former player, played up through the 2010 season for the Buckeyes. Uh, 
not a forgettable season, but the NCAA would like for, like for you to forget it since they made Ohio State vacate the records right from that uh, from that season. We we have a quote laugh end quote about that and just the you know just the, how far college football has come. Forget about the actual on game, uh, I mean on field experience, but off the field, how far college football has come, uh, and and uh, and then also how far it has come from the standpoint of uh, what got those guys in trouble. Man, you know, as he and I laughed about, C.J. Stroud gave each of his teammates $500 gift certificates or gift cards before the season opener to go out and get a nice suit. I mean, tattoos, gift cards, wow. We've really changed a lot. But uh, let's get to my conversation with Chimney Chekwa. Oh, man, I've been waiting for a while to get this man on. Uh, he not only knows football, he not only knows what it was like to be a college football player and maybe not have everything uh, you maybe needed at that point in your life. Now seeing all these guys with NIL deals, he knows what it's like to be a hot corner out on the corner. So he can give us a little insight, maybe what Denzel Burke is going through right now is people kind of throwing at him a little bit, man. How do you respond, et cetera. And then past that, this guy has been, he doesn't know it. He's been my mic check at channel 10. Every time I'm on channel 10, (laughs) they will tell me to give a mic check. I'll go chimney chakwa, chimney chakwa. Check, check. Jimmy, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure, man. I've followed your, you know, your career this whole time ever since I got to Ohio State. So I'm excited to be able to come back and uh, be on the podcast. Hey, I say this about everybody I have on my podcast pretty much, but you're one of my favorite guys there, man. You just, you know, you kind of did your own thing. I mean, you were went to your own drummer to a certain extent, you know what I mean? And uh, you like guys that are you know, just a little bit of a aloof to a lot of the stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? And you always struck me as that you were born in New Orleans area, uh, raised in Claremont, Florida. You end up at Ohio State. Claremont should not be confused with Miami Beach, right? No, it's not. It's not at all. It's not even a beach town. I'm going to be honest. I didn't actually spend a lot of time at the beach until I came to Ohio and realized, you know what? Now I understand why people take trips to the nice weather. So now I just spent more time at the beach now than I did growing up. Well, hey, let's get into a couple of things. Then we're going to talk about some another, you know, like a sort of the business side of Ohio, you know, of being a college athlete now. You know what I mean? It's pretty crazy. And like I say, I keep apologizing for my voice. I've got one of these. I sound like Chris Collinsworth the other night on the the (laughs) Sunday night game. It just, you can't do anything about it. You just got to deal with it, right? Yeah. 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 But, uh, But, uh, just number one, former quarterback at Ohio State, big-time player, All-American your last year. What was your last season anyway? 2010, do I have that right? Yeah, the 2010-2011 season, last year of the, the Trestle era as well. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that just a little bit, <laughs> uh, just how that all went down. But uh, what would be your word of advice right now to Denzel Burke? Obviously, he had kind of a tough game on Saturday against Arkansas State. A little bit of a rough patch against uh, Notre Dame, but uh, you've been out there on the corner, man, when people are throwing at you. you know, yeah. Sometimes it probably feels like rocks, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's your what's your what's your word of advice or advice for like a guy like Denzel? So my like general advice to give a young a young corner that's had some struggles that you could connect with and a lot of the fans will connect with is that you you know take that take those those little you know challenges learn from him, be more detailed, be more locked in um, because he has all the tools and all the talent. Um, but if I was actually talking to Denzel Burke, yeah. I would actually give more specific advice and saying, 
you know, the, the where your eyes at are at, the way you're controlling your, your arm movement and those things will are, are affecting your ability to be more disciplined in coverage, right? Don't, don't overreach. Don't try to get too physical with the receiver. Uh, make sure you have the good, the, the correct eye discipline. But always keep your, your your body in a position where you know you you are you you have you know kind of your chest over your toes and you always give yourself a chance to react to whatever the receiver is doing. Trust your ability and be less concerned about the actual uh, receiver. And I think he's you know at certain times he's you know uh, getting a little bit undisciplined, maybe overextending himself, maybe losing a little bit of focus, maybe thinking about the ball. If he just trusts his ability. Um, it'll put him in a position to make those plays. Yeah, that's sweet, man. You've been there, done that, so to speak. Uh, but you know what, what Chimney, what's, what's became apparent in that game against Arkansas State and a little bit against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, I don't think Notre Dame had as much wherewithal huh, as Arkansas State did offensively from the standpoint of just kind of attacking the edges of this defense now, right? Because yeah. it's becoming increasingly – apparent that you're not going to really be able to attack the middle of this defense. So these guys on the edges, their game's only going to get more intense, right? It gets more intense until those guys on the edges say, you need to stop trying to attack me because you're not going to have a lot of success here either. You know, I was sitting with Devere Posey at the game. We went to the game and uh, it's kind of, you know, you saw them attacking the guys on the outside. And I'm like, I wonder what their their mindset is of being a smaller school and coming against a, a team like Ohio State. And seeing a guy like Denzel Burke, who's expected to be, you know, one of the next guys, and just going going after him, and Devere was like trying to go to the NFL, right? Yeah. So you know they're, they're going to give those guys those opportunities to make a name for themselves. Um, and in in those games, where you know you are better than the opponent, like you know, like well, we should be able to make plays. You still have to have the same level of attention to detail, the same focus. Uh, uh, approach it the same way, and then you will make those plays because you have the, the capabilities to do so. Hey, Tim, you've been there, done it. Like I said, you're in the NFL, played on some interesting defenses. What do you think of this uh, 4 2 5? What do you think of this Jim Knowles defense? Because I know you wear your Ohio State badge as a badge of honor of having played, et cetera, here. You saw how difficult the defense, uh, how difficult it was for the defense a year ago just to get some kind of consistency, et cetera. What do you think about what you've seen so far two games into this Jim Knowles 4-2-5 defense? I like it a lot. I think, you know, I, I honestly think sometimes we put a little bit too much emphasis on the actual um, type of defense, 3-4, 4-3, those, those different things. And a little bit less, I think the most important thing is, do we have the guys out on the field that can match up with the guys on the other side? Yeah. And are we are we executing in a way that gives ourselves a chance? And I think the, the challenge last year that what I didn't like last year is that no matter what the call was, the execution and that, you know, are we setting the edge on the outside? It wasn't happening as much. Is that guy who's supposed to get over and get, you know, uh, you know, get that edge and yeah. turn the guy back inside. Is he getting it? It wasn't happening. I saw too many things go down the sideline and too much space being created um, on the defense. And when you create space, you create opportunities for the offense. And I don't think, I'm not seeing that same level of space here uh, with Nose's defense. And I know he's just scratching the surface. There's a lot more um, that he can implement and they can do. But I see the guys playing fast 
and executing them in a, in a way that's that that is giving them a chance to actually make plays. Is anybody did, did you you know you being a former player? Uh, I think you have more uh, uh, credibility when I ask this question. Is anybody on that defense just jumping out? You don't have to be a defensive back, you know, part of your your fraternity. <laughs> but is anybody on that defense just jumping out at you like first two games? Like, wow, this this guy can be a wrecker. I mean, you know, he can be, you know, that thing you got to deal with when you're the offense, no matter who you're playing. Go ahead. I think a lot of guys. I'm seeing a lot of guys playing fast. Obviously, um, up front, the big guy up front, uh, Michael. Mike yeah. yeah, he's 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 clearly jumping out. At me, um, uh, ransom. I think uh, it, it has has I thought has played well. I think the linebackers are playing fast, um, which you, you you like to see. They look good. Um, you know, I'm always looking at the DBs. Yeah, right? I'm always looking at the DBs. So I'm, I'm, I'm I don't think they've played. I don't think they've played bad at all. Um, I think there's some some improvement um, in the secondary that they have all the talent in the world to do it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what their progression looks like as they learn from these first couple of games and continue to move on through the season. Yeah, and it's hard to, it's hard to like, focus on 11 players all at once, you know, when you're watching a game. You know, you, that's what film studies for, right? I mean, you go back and film whatever. I'll tell you what, dog, a guy that's just a mainstay to me on this defense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is number 14, Ronnie Hickman. I just like the way he just has a presence out there, doesn't he? I mean, uh, that – he looks like a stalwart, right? You understand what I'm saying? Meaning he's always sort of going to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not. I do agree. So Hickman is somebody who jumped out last year. Yeah. And now I have a level of expectation from him going into this year, yeah. which is why I didn't even mention him as, as one of the people that stand, stood out to me because I expect Hickman to go out there and make those plays. Um, I think he's a guy, if, if we want, if this defense is going to be, who we think they're they're capable of. I think he's a guy that has to continue to elevate his play um, going forward. But yeah, he's been he's been pretty good. Really going in, starting from last year and into this year, he's been a very effective player, and he's all over the field. And that's what I like to see. Yeah, he gets them lined up right too and stuff. I mean, he's the he's called the adjuster, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, like Leo, like I remember there were Leos thirty years ago. You know what I mean? That's no yeah. big new name, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, I want to ask you this uh, from the other side of it. That pass from uh, C.J. Stroud to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at the corner of the end zone and yeah. the sideline where Mar Marvin at the last second jumped up, taken away from the defender who had turned back and he got back, didn't get his hands up through quick enough. But what a pass. And I'm just – you as a former defender, I know you get y'all's pride. Y'all's pride runs really high and thick. But – CJ is a little special when it comes to putting the ball into windows, isn't he? I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, and I, I talked to a lot of people about this. I think CJ is the best in the country um, as a quarterback. And the reason why is because of his ability to place the ball where it needs to be. Yeah. You know, you, you're going to hear all throughout the year people complaining about, well, CJ needs to run the ball. It's an opportunity for him to run for that first down. And yeah. I remember him saying something last year. He said, <laughs> If, if if I was a if I was a running back, maybe I would do something. It was something of that. Of, yeah, of that yeah. And I, I like the approach. I like the approach of him winning with the pass. And when those big games come, maybe later in the year, maybe it's a playoff game. Uh, there may be an opportunity to go to go take off and run for a first down. But set the set the precedent that I'm going to beat you throwing the ball. And he yeah. has the talent and the ability to do it. And I, I like what I see from CJ. Yeah, I was gonna say Bryce Young finally had to do that the other day for Alabama to beat Texas, like a 17, 20-point underdog to win at Texas. Bryce Young had that big run for the 
put them in field goal position there at the very end. I mean, they're dumb. They're do. There does whatever the word is. Those moments do come. You know what they I mean? Uh, and do you seize it? But yeah, I just I just like CJ. You know, I don't know if you notice this. Notice this from your vantage point. I just like the way he sees the field, man. Ryan Day talks about it at Urban Meyer on my. I do an Urban Meyer deal every week, and he was talking about how just the way CJ clearly sees the field and what's going on in front of him. And man, that's 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 uncanny almost, right? I mean, can you actually teach that, or does a guy have a, have to have a little bit of a natural feel for that? You understand what I'm saying? Of yeah, I've seen it all. I think you have to have a feel for it. I think you have to have a discipline as well, and uh. A way, a way where you approach and you really, you really don't get antsy. You, I play with a lot of guys. I play with Terrell. I play with guys who who ran. And here's always a challenge with guys who are very talented athletes, is because because you have so much ability yeah. to to go get it. Sometimes you have a shorter uh, patience. You, know, you have less you have less patience, right? Yeah. And I've always thought that as a corner, just as a DB, I've always thought that. That has led to guys, you know, Kaepernick, a lot of these guys, that has led to, uh, it's kind of hurt some of their ceiling from just a passing standpoint, because you don't force yourself every time to be able to see the field, understand where all the defense is at over and over again. This is why I like CJ sitting in that pocket, because he's forcing himself to be a passer. passer. And as he continues to master that, and and he's, he's taking a jump from last year to this year, professionalism off the field everything um just looks like the, the guy and there will be those moments where you may he may have to take off and run but he he ha- he knows where everybody's at he's seeing where everybody's at he's understanding um uh details that it really is really a next level for a, 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 the quarterback position it's really more of a pro quarterback um approach to to playing the game yeah he really is man it's it's, it's fun to watch i mean you know you're not gonna hit every pass sometimes you throw them away but that that's as disciplined as anything else, right? I mean, just knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them. Hey, I'm trying to you, – you, you were in the NFL from 2011, basically off and on through 16, right? I'm trying to remember when the father of Marvin Harrison Jr., when he retired, did you did you ever see him in a game? I never did. And I, yeah. I, I, I believe he retired before – Yeah, I think he did. I yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm getting to here? Chimdi Chukwa. Go in there, cover Marvin Harrison Jr. What is your first thought? First of all, Marvin Harrison Jr. I I grew up watching Marvin Harrison Senior, yeah. and we're in this weird time right now. Yeah, where I'm, I'm like some guys I may have played against, or I may have been close to playing against. You, you got the Antoine Winfield Juniors. You got the. Uh, it's just so many guys. Yes, we have kids, and I'm like, is this? Is Asante Samuel still playing, or is this his son? I, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's special to watch, you know. Um, and he's such a he's such a talented player. Uh, I'm I was happy to see him get the opportunity to really showcase that talent. You know, week two, um, he played played relatively well in the Notre Dame game, but didn't get to have that 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 type of game that he had most recently. And I'm hoping that that confidence and that you know that momentum carries through the rest of the season. Um, and I'm excited to, to see what that, that group can do as a really as a total a total package. As you as you watch him play, what is what is his strength? What is the one thing <clears throat> that sets him apart? Do you think, or makes makes him special? I guess is is I guess my question. Just from the other day, what is it? 
obviously has a great combination of length of height and strength. He's not super big, but he's a bigger than you think. And he's fast. Probably some people think he's faster than his dad, you know, but what, what just jumps out about you? Is it just his concentration on catching the football? I mean, what just jumps out at you? Yeah, I think, I think it's two. When I, when I got a receiver or whatever, a tight end or whatever, it's just, there's two battles. One, one is the, the covering of the player, right? Being able to cover. Yeah. This is a big guy. This is a big guy who's going to body you and position you in a way where you need to be able to get to his hands. Or is it a guy that's really quick and really fast? You got to make sure you stay staying with him all the way through. I think his combination of, um, you know, speed and ability to, to separate. But then the next battle is once you, 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 you get to a position where you're in position to potentially make a play, then he can go and go grab that ball, yeah. which makes all that other effort for not, right? I did all this. Yeah. I was able to get myself in position. And now this, this guy can just snag the ball from wherever it's at. So that's that's the that's what's special about him is that combination of the ability to to run to route run and to gain separation. But even if it, it's close, he can go there and snag the ball anyway. Um, that's what makes DeAndre Hopkins so hard to to grab because you, you no matter if you're in perfect coverage or not, he's still going there and he'll be able to snag that thing out of the air. So yeah, uh, I'm excited to see this guy continue to play. Yeah, he'll reach. I mean, like DeAndre Hopkins, he'll reach over you. He'll be back over here. He'll reach behind your back. I mean, blah blah blah. I mean, whatever. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emeka Buka, number number twelve. But I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, number what's his number? Number two. But boy, you know, I could see it last year just on kickoff returns. Man, he, I well, like I call him. He's Closer. those one cut and go kind of guys. You put that in a wide receiver, sort of a little bit of a running back, sort of like mentality, but. He can catch the ball, run great routes and stuff too. Even without Jackson Smith and Jigba, these guys have gotten it done, right? I mean, uh, how impressed are you with that guy? Very Im- impressed. And, you know, I paid a, little, I paid a little closer attention to him because of his background. Uh, I'm, not, I'm Nigerian player. He's, he's uh, Nigerian as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. You've always saw the explosiveness, even last year, just on kickoff return, right? Um, yes. He's, a, he, he's, a, he's just an explosive talent. Um, yeah, man, it just, it just seems like Lafayette has so many weapons. You know, it, it, comes, it, it comes down to our, it's like when, when, you know, when Jameson Williams was here um, and they had all those guys already, I was like, there's only one football. Right? Yeah. So uh, right now, um, just excited to watch all those guys play. But yeah, Buka is a very explosive player. You know, one that whenever he touches the ball, there's an opportunity for it to be a, a huge Huge game, huge play. So yeah, it's just it's been an exciting to watch it. Hey, before we get to a couple other things, I want to ask you one last one. I want to ask you one last thing. Let's say you're a defensive coordinator now in college football. Let's say you're the defensive coordinator at Toledo this week or for Wisconsin coming up. What what is what do you do? What do you concentrate on when you're going against an Ohio State that's got Travion Henderson sitting there and uh Mayan Williams and Kate Stover catching the ball, you know, tight end and uh, they haven't even really unleashed G. Scott yet from the tight end, kind of like quasi-position. Uh, kind of said, well, what – and you got C.J. Stroud seeing the field so well, et cetera, recognition. What do you – where do you attack an, an offense like that, if, in fact, attack is the right word? Yeah, I, I think if it was me, I'm stopping to run, and I'm I'm trying to eliminate the big play. Those are the two, the two things I'm going to focus on. I know I'm going to give up some yards here and there. Um, but I'm, I'm not letting them go over top. And I'm doing my, my best to 
eliminate the explosive run plays. Um, so I would be, I really would try to disguise coverage. I know um, in college it's not, probably not done as much as in the NFL, but really try to disguise coverage to really mess with CJ and understanding and figuring out where these safeties are headed, what, what, we're, what we're signed to, what we're going to um, really give a combination of single high and cover two coverages, maybe run some, some, some shells, some cover two coverages that look initially like it's a cover three and roll a guy to that, to that half. But yeah. I would really try to take away these big plays and make, make the Buckeyes continuously drive down the field, you know, all the way down the field and earn all of these, all, all of these plays. Tough, way harder said than done, right, yeah. with all the explosiveness that they have. But once you allow for them to, to go over top of you, the whole game, you know, the whole thing has changed. And you know that that's what they want to do. That's what Ryan Day wants to do. So yeah. I'm, that's what I really be keyed into and focused on if I was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and if you're on defense and then, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Caught, had caught three touchdown passes the other day. They were three totally different plays, but the one that really gutted the defense was when he ran that deep dig or that cross, deep cross, yeah. ran right through, you know, the coverage, caught the ball on the run on, on because the quarterback, CJ Stride, delivered it on, on dead, dead in stride, and he outruns them to the corner of the end zone. You know what I mean? You kind yeah, of played the defense you want to play, but they still beat it, right? Still beat it, and they will. You should yeah. expect that they will still beat it. The yeah. one that was the, one of the thing that was interesting. They was playing a lot. They were playing some a good amount of single, you know, uh, press man to man on the outside. Yeah. Against uh, Marvin Harrison, which, you know, if you're trying to get your corner uh, an opportunity to prove himself and you know maybe potentially get some NFL looks in the future, I can understand. But if you're trying to win and you're and you're overmatched. Uh, I probably wouldn't do too much of that unless, you know, it's third and medium. And, you know, I have to stop them from getting the first down, so I have to play yeah. tighter coverage. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't do that much of, you know, single press man-to-man on the outside. Yeah. Um, well, I got that once, and and uh, Marvin Jr. just sprinted by the guy, you know, for that streak, uh, that uh, go-route touchdown, and was, was uh, what, two steps behind him and stuff. So, you're right, Rob Peter to pay Paul, but, man, you're still going to pay a price, it looks like. Hey, let's get to you. Speaking of paying a price, you and Brian Browning have that uh, couple of restaurants, you know, the barbecue, I call them barbecue joints. They're not barbecue joints, are they? They're restaurants, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. we have, we have a, barbecue, a couple of uh, restaurants. Uh, a, a, good, a good portion of it is the barbecue element. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we have different, different types of options. You know, we have things like pit fries where, you know, you could take some of that pulled pork or brisket or whatever and put on there with sauce and cheese and, and, and different things. So, you know, we have some 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 pretty good stuff at the at the uh, the pit barbecue. What? Why? You're a guy from, like I said, born in Louisiana, raised in Florida, played in the NFL several different places. Why are you in Columbus? No, I don't mean it in a bad way. Explain to people <laughs> the lure, yeah. the allure yeah. of Columbus. For you know, a lot of you ex players end up back in Columbus. I mean, it's. Cause it's a big metropolitan area. Right. But it doesn't it necessarily totally feel that way. Right. It, it, it's, it's right. So when I actually, when I was getting recruited to come to uh, go to Ohio state, I wanted to live in a, I wanted to live in a city. I wanted to live in a, it doesn't have to be a huge city, but I wanted yeah. to live in a, a city. I didn't realize Columbus was a very high, highly populated city. And then leaving Columbus and uh, really having a choice. I finished up my rookie contract with the Raiders. Um, I had I was a free agent, didn't know where I was going to sign sign to next, and I was going to I ended up signing with the Dolphins, but and choosing where to stay based on you know quality of life, based on um, 
you know, what the, the, the cost of living is, yeah. um, how much uh, bang for my buck, and then what the economic um, projections are for the area long term. So I'm, I'm really into economics and, you know, I, I, I kind of work as an analyst as well yeah. um, currently. And just looking at Columbus and where it was headed, it made sense, you know, especially being an entrepreneur wanting to start a business, it made sense to come to Columbus where I can get a little bit more for my dollars early, but in the long term, um, significant growth, good population growth, a lot of companies um, headquartered here, a lot of companies coming here, uh, and also a good place to raise kids, uh, strong school districts and those things as well. So Columbus was really a good, and now I'm a guy who lived in Florida, played in California, lived there five years, then signed with the Dolphins and lived in Miami, so back to Florida, and then came back to Ohio. So everybody, I get the question, why are you going back to Ohio? Well, I was like, um, you know, I've been, I've been in those different places, and I really liked it. I, I kind of enjoy having the different seasons. I don't really like the cold, but I like having the different seasons as well. Um, and in comparison, Columbus is not the coldest city Correct. in the Midwest either. So, you know, it, it was a good place to come back to. Yeah. Hey, uh, give people an idea what all you're what all you're involved in. Obviously, we know the restaurant situation with you and Brad Browning, but what else you got going, man? Yeah. So the, the things that I'm really doing. So one thing I do is I invest in real estate here in Columbus area. Hence why I kind of talked about or the economic projections here. Um, real estate growth in Columbus, uh, value growth has uh, been very has done very very well the last decade or so. Yeah. Uh, so I've been invested in that. Uh, obviously, the pit barbecue grill is something that I'm a part of. Another thing that I'm doing is I'm a part of a, a startup called Cloud Machine. Cloud Machine is kind of creates this marketplace for uh, college athletes to earn money off their likeness and also allows the businesses to better kind of navigate the NIL. So it, uh, it gives a score to right now, Cloud Machine, if you go to cloudmachine.com, every college uh, football player, D1 college football player, gets a, uh, a score at the end of the, the weekend. And this score represents their market, how marketable they are. Wow. Um, Tasting different metrics like, you know, how many times you know, their name is said <laughs> during the game to, you know, what is the uh, market that they're playing in? How close are they playing at home? A lot of these different metrics. And it helps a business who's thinking, okay, maybe I don't want to pay, I don't know, however much CJ is making, maybe I don't want to pay that, that, yeah. that price. But I do want to work with athletes. I have a brand that it makes sense to be represented by an athlete. However, I don't know who else, you know, who else can I work with and how much do I pay them and you know what would be my ROI? Well, yeah, you know, we can we can identify that for them by you know showing this guy. This guy may be very, very good on social media and his 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 marketableness on social media will really benefit your brand because you want to you want to focus on uh, social media. So we're we're able to help them navigate that. Also, whether it's a collective or agent or whatever, and it's just trying to get more information on, you know, how do, how do I um, identify where this stuff is headed? Um, Cloud Machine is a, is a good, good tool for it. And the other thing I would say is these types of tools are needed in uh, this market now because a lot of things are changing. Yeah. You're going to have to get smarter <laughs> with how you uh, operate. And I think Cloud Machine um, can help you do that. Dude. Can you imagine 2010, we'd be sitting here 12 years later talking about this stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to get you to go, man, I should, you know, 
Obviously, uh, it wasn't available to you back then, at least on the open market. <laughs> right, right. You know, things right. weren't available. But the point, yeah, I mean, this was a long time coming, wasn't it? You know, it and it uh, just, is it a hallelujah moment for college athletes? How would you describe it having been one, having faced some of the financial challenges? I mean, you know, I know we, we, we can debate whatever you're on full ride. Well, full ride, but that, I mean, what does that mean? Everybody, you know, uh, my point is you're out there putting your life and limbs in jeopardy when you're playing football and maybe a couple other sports. But I mean, can you believe we've gotten to this point now where at least fellows can go out and seek their worth on the name, image, and likeness market? I mean, just is that a hallelujah moment? How would you describe it? I think it is. I mean, I, I explain it this way, right? So, in any, the, the, the way innovation happens, and this is how my mind works, but the way innovation happens here in the US is that, you know, Money, money really drives innovation, right? Uh, a demand for something, people want something, investments come in and you start to continue to create more and more things and it builds on top of that innovation. So, you know, the, the iPhone, nobody knew they needed an iPhone, but now imagine not having uh, a smartphone and, it, yeah. and, it, and there's more and more technology that builds off of it. There's a, there's a high demand for college football. 50% of the US consumer is a college football fan, right? And there was, for a long time, there was this door where people was trying to get in that remained closed. And to yeah. me, that slows innovation, it's that, that slows growth. Now they've opened up that door. And now it's kind of crazy because everybody's rushing in at the same time, but tools like Cloud Machine, other things start to develop and it's going to create more and more structure. And it's an opportunity for more and more growth. And not just for the, the, the player, even for those who want to be a part of sports, who want to work in sports, there's going to be more and more um, opportunities that exist because now the, the industry is gone. And I really like the opportunity for the player. I think for me personally, I was challenged. I was a guy who worked in business, who uh, majored in business, was an accounting major, had ideas, wanted to do things, but I was always concerned about the, the, the you know, getting in trouble. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't connect with this, this, um, this business guy who would help me better understand, you know, uh, the things I want to know about for my future, because it could be a benefit that I'm not supposed to get. He may cross the line. And I, you know, so I, I was always challenged with that. And I think, you know, this kind of opens the door for that not to be a case. Anymore. Does it bother you? I mean, as you think back to those times, I mean, I think, I think one of the reasons, you know, and it, it makes sense is if you just open the floodgates, the big, the big time schools are still going to dominate. You know what I mean, in some form or fashion. But does it bother you how long it took to get to this point, Chimdy? With, I mean, I remember writing stories way back when about, you know, hey, give give players five thousand dollars a year. It goes into a, a trust fund, you know, and they get if they're there three years. They get fifteen leaving the door, you know, but twenty five thousand if they. But my point was, do something that shows that you recognize that you're making a lot of money off of this and the guys who are putting their life and limbs in jeopardy deserve part of that other than just a full ride scholarship. But does it bother you? It took this long. It doesn't bother me too much. I think there's certain things that bother me. So one thing that bothers me is that, you know, guys get hurt. Football yeah. is, a, is a sport where injuries a hundred, a hundred percent. Right. Yeah, and guys finish up college football, don't go on to the NFL, 
and are either whether it's head injuries, whatever, they continue to live with those those things. And it was there, there isn't anything, even still, there, there isn't really anything to you know put something towards a benefit them to benefit them from you know what they endured long term. Yeah, yeah long term and what they endured during uh, college. So those are the things that bother me. Uh, obviously my senior year and the you know the tattoo thing and you know me losing the wins for my senior year and those things like that stuff bothers me because now you think about what's happening now and you go back to what happened then it's like oh a guy got a million dollars and <laughs> we got our wins vacated for what it, it wasn't even uh, even close to what you know guys are making now so those so certain things bother me but overall i think change is inevitable so they try to fight change for so long but it was it was the inevitable so yeah. uh hopefully we can move forward in a better way. I was going to say, C.J. Stroud gave all of his teammates $500 gift certificates to go get a new suit, yeah. you know, <laughs> and they publicized it. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's yeah. like crazy. It's like, like hey. $50,000, $50, $60,000 in suits right there. Dude, that's a lot. <laughs> I said, where can I get my hands on one of those gift cards? But I digress. <laughs> hey, let's, let's two things. Uh, what happened to you guys in 2010, the way that thing dissolved, you know, et cetera? Sugar Bowl, you know, those guys got to play. But, you know, 2011 was really the season that took the brunt of it. I think most people, like myself and everybody else, 2010, you know, you don't erase that from your memory. You know what I mean? Like right. the NCAA, yeah. vacate. I, what the hell does yeah, vacate I, mean, you know? I dislocated my wrist. I can't, I yeah. can't erase this. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's a great example. But uh, does that – I don't know. When did you leave Ohio State? How did you leave Ohio State feeling, you know, after a lot of that went down? I mean, what was – did it take you a while to kind of digest what, what the hell happened? I think I did. I, I think it took me a while. I think I left it first thinking, I'm glad I'm out of here now. Yeah, yeah. They kind of – they rained down the um, investigations, and I started getting phone calls and text messages from reporters and um, people investigating with, with – were you at this place or did you do this? And I said, look, I'm in the NFL. I'm not, <laughs> I'm yeah. not talking to you about anything because I, I, yeah. I didn't participate in anything. Um, but I would say, you know, what bothered me the, the most, this is when I think it hit me, was Terrell went into the supplemental draft um, and we were both with the Raiders. Yeah. And he had to serve a five-game suspension in the NFL for college thing. And that's when I was like, okay, this is crazy. This is craziness, right? It, you're talking about a guy who sold stuff to people. It's not like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do it. He didn't break the law. He didn't do anything. He's serving a, a suspension in the NFL who is not even connected to the, the college sport. And it's just, it's like a, an overreach of, um, you know, rules and, uh, Yes. control that did, didn't make any sense to me and that's when i was, really got bothered by it um but yeah yeah and what bothered me about that was he was going into his fourth year at ohio state he was it was his prerogative to leave ohio state you know what i mean i mean yeah he didn't want he didn't want to go in front of the ncaa etc understand all that but yeah you're right i mean that that's all public relations you know you got caught up right. he got caught up in a public relations front you know what right. i mean that's that's just crazy hey uh, last thing, uh, uh, is, uh, let's go back to the Ohio State football team presently. Is it stunning 
to you a little bit because y'all played some pretty good, pretty good offense on those teams. You know, obviously you were on defense, but they played some pretty good offense back then. But it, is it stunning to you where Ohio State is sitting right now in the uh, reputation uh, lexicon or whatever you want to call it of college football? It is one of the premier offensive schools in the country, you know, under Urban Meyer and then Ryan Day is taking it to another level. Is that yeah. is that hard for an, uh, an alum to wrap his head around? You know what I mean? Three yards of cloud of dust is long gone. <laughs> right. right. It, it is. Uh, we have these talks all the time. Like, you know, what if, what if, <laughs> yeah. what if we ran this type of offense and this and that? Uh, but yeah, and it, it, it's fun to watch, um, especially to see. I always said, you know, we we're talent. We were talented, and you know, the, our approach to the game was 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 good. It was good enough for us to 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 win it all. Um, but man, it would have been it would have been cool to you know have this level because I thought on defense, I mean, my senior year, um, and I had arguments with guys in the NFL all the time. I like, I put our defense up against anybody. I, yeah. I didn't think there was a defense better than ours at all. Um, but yeah, it's. It's crazy, man, and the and the, the way they recruit and the way we keep that level of talent, um, it's just it's just impressive. It's impressive. I think Ryan Day is probably one of the the, the greatest minds in college football today. Um, I could probably name three or two or three coaches that I put on that that level, and I think Ryan Day is one of them. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Chimdi Chekwa, Chimdi Chekwa, Chimdi. Thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, my man. Long time coming. Let's do it again, okay? Yeah, I would love to do it again, man. Thanks again. It's, it's been great kind of watching you uh, through the years. I've always kind of followed you on, on Twitter and those things while I was in the NFL, too. So keep putting out good stuff, man. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation with Chimdi Chaco. And I think you, know, you can always tell when I really like the guy. But, heck, almost everybody I've had on my podcast I really liked when they were at Ohio State for one reason or another. You could always tell this guy was thinking about stuff, though, man. And uh, uh, he's one of those – I call critical thinkers, man. He's looking beyond what's right in front of him, beyond the pale and uh, seeing what's coming, so to speak. So it was really cool. And then to have him give that insight on what a corner goes through out there and how you bounce back. Right. Uh, Spencer, that was, that was very interesting. Yeah. It's not, you know, like I said earlier in the show, it's definitely not easy to play corner Uh, as somebody who played the smallest level of high school football in Ohio at cornerback is never an easy task. And, uh, you know, Chimdi did it at such a high level. It made it kind of look easy there for a couple of years in the in Ohio State secondary. And, uh, you know, to get an insight like that is invaluable because, you know, we didn't play the position at, at, at that kind of level. We didn't try to defend Division One athletes on a down-to-down basis. Chimdi did. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, you always want to hear from from smart people about smart things, and Chimdi can do that with the quarterback position. Yeah, guys who've been there and done that for sure. I mean, he was All-American his senior year in 2010, et cetera. Hey, let's move on, man, uh, real quickly. Uh, Ohio State wins convincingly, but not as big as the uh, odds makers had said it. But a 33-point win is a pretty damn good win. That's two and a half – I mean, that's four and a half touchdowns. That's basically uh, – Ohio State could have won that game without Marvin Harrison Jr.'s touchdowns. He's <laughs> putting it in perspective. Uh, and then uh, the Texas hosts Alabama – Alabama's a prohibitive favorite going into the game. Texas is unranked. And Texas takes Alabama to basically the last player, the last, the last few, the last minute of the game. Alabama escapes with a field goal, wins the game, almost got beat by a kicker named Auburn. 
Uh, Texas' kicker, Burt Auburn, almost beat Alabama. I could see those headlines. Auburn beats Bama, but it didn't happen. Bottom line is Alabama took a little bit of a shot in the polls, but no big drop. Is that the way it should have been after that weekend? Yeah, Tim. And, you know, I would argue that Alabama should have dropped to number three in the polls. Um, you know, that, that's a that's team. That's what I'm that trying should... to ask you. Is that the way it should yeah. have been? And you're saying, no, it should have dropped to number three. <laughs> well, you know what I'm trying to say. It's a I know. Confusing I, I, you can the... hardly hear me because of my voice today. I'm sorry, man. You know, and you could even argue, really, that Alabama could drop to number four. Yeah. By Michigan. Michigan has taken care of business more than Alabama has. And I know they haven't played anybody. And yeah. Ohio State fans don't come here to listen to somebody argue, get on the soapbox for Michigan. But let's be real here. Alabama beat a Utah State team that looked terrible against FCS Weber State this, this weekend, got beat by 28 against a Weber State team that's not very good. And then Alabama goes to Texas and looks undisciplined. They look out of sorts on the defensive line. They couldn't block a Texas front that we don't think is very good. They, they couldn't stop Quinn Ewers when he was in there for a couple for a few plays before he yep. got hurt. Uh, you know, I would argue that Alabama hasn't really looked all that impressive this year. They can't get their wide receivers going. The run game looks like it's a little out of sorts. Their play calling on offense doesn't look like it's something to be it's there, there's a lot to be desired there it, it's a they've got their holes tim and you know georgia took care of business easily against samford they deserve to be number one because of what they did to oregon but if we're going to compare wins you know why is texas's one point win at, at or alabama's one point win at texas any different than ohio state's 11 point win over notre dame you know so the polls are meaningless right now anyways tim it's yeah. just something good for us to talk about and for paul feinbaum to yell about you know, you know how that goes. But the bottom line is Alabama just simply hasn't really impressed me yet this year. And when they do, maybe I'll bump them back up to that number two or number one spot. But until then, they just don't look like they're they're as good of a football team right now. And so, right, you know, I would take Ohio State and Georgia above them right now. Yeah. Preseason polls, man. Wow. You know, they ought to have a preseason poll and let it just sit there for like a month and a half and then have their first you know, voter polls, just like college football playoff committee. Doesn't issue rankings until what the end of November, the end of October, beginning of November. Uh, the polls probably shouldn't start until October fifteenth. I mean, it's you have no body of work to deal with because, as you and I've talked about on my podcast several times, a, a football team can be so different from one year to the next with a changing of about five or six guys, and we're seeing that in Ohio State from a defensive standpoint. Uh, we're seeing it throughout the country uh, with the transfer portal, et cetera, how things change. So. Yeah, it is what it is. We're blowing against blowing against the uh, wind there, or, or uh, screaming against the wind there. So it is what it is. Hey, real quick before we go, because uh, we're keeping this short for my medical reasons. I can't talk anymore, <laughs> which probably is a good thing, right? Uh, what do you What are you most interested in finding out about Ohio State versus Toledo on Saturday, prime time, and of course. That's going to be followed by another primetime game, Ohio State hosting Wisconsin the next week, ABC. Uh, that got announced on Monday here. But what are you most interested in finding out about Ohio State when it takes on Toledo? I think, Tim, it's it's getting this run game shored up and making sure that it's where it should be. We all know what the passing game is. and Notre Dame, we thought maybe the run game was completely fixed and Justin Fry had changed some things. But you know, upon further review of watching everything and then seeing some Twitter clips from some folks who, you know, are pretty smart at the game, you see that there were seven or eight negative yards, one yard, two yards here. Uh, that shouldn't be happening against Arkansas State. And I think Toledo's defensive front is even better than Arkansas State's. And so 
you just get curious about, is this running game where it should be? Uh, it needs to be there against Wisconsin. You're going to have to run the ball against Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Those are tough teams. You have to run the ball against those teams. Uh, if you can't do it against Arkansas State and Toledo at a consistent basis, on a consistent basis, then you're going to have trouble in the Big Ten. Obviously, Trayvon Henderson, I think, averaged almost eight yards a carry. Mayan Williams at six yards a carry. Those happen from explosives, though. Aside from those explosives, which you can't really rely on unless – I guess you can sometimes at Ohio State, but, you know, you, you've got to be able to get three or four yards of pop consistently. You can't be, you know, behind the chains because you're not always going to be able to pick up second and 16, third and 14. So I want to see this run game reestablish itself, and it's going to be tough against a good Toledo front that features, you know, Dallas Gann. It features a guy from last year. His name slips my mind who led the Mac in sacks at 13 yeah. and a half. Like, this is a good front, and so I'm going to see Ohio State uh, shore up that run game, make sure they're they're as physically dominant as they should be against the max school in the run game. Yeah, and the first two games of this year are telling you everything you need to know. Defenses are going to come after Ohio State. That's their yeah. only shot. And occasionally, when you have a guy shooting a gap or whatever, uh, and a run play is called, you can get those negative plays. They can happen in a heartbeat. But they got to get after They're trying to figure out how to get after C.J. Stroud before he gets a scalpel out and gets after them. You know what I mean? Uh, And and Ohio State deals with that probably as well as anybody from the standpoint of just continual pressure, one form or fashion, somebody just trying to find a weak link to get after and uh, and arrest C.J. Stroud, affect the quarterback. And uh, it's playing quarterback looks easy, man. I mean, sometimes, especially C.J. Stroud does it. But it's a constant it's a constant pressure cooker because you never know where it's coming from next, you know, and uh, I think CJ handles that about as well as any quarterback I've seen at Ohio state, you know, been some great quarterbacks at Ohio state and ranking them is not fair because defensive offensive philosophies and even defensive philosophies way back when were totally different than they are now. And the chaos sometimes that you're dealing with now, you know, spreading the field and teams trying to like get to you before you can really launch. And uh, I think CJ, more and more looks more and more patient back there, uh, more and more confident that his guys are going to pick up whatever's coming. Like even Trevion Henderson, Mike Williams in the uh, pass pro, uh, he feels very confident. It looks like standing back there and throwing from the pocket, right? Yeah, exactly, Tim. And it, it is hard to try to quantify or qualify who's the the better quarterbacks in the in the country all time because, like you know, you can't compare Billy Cannon to to Joe Burrow. You can't compare Vic Janowitz to to Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields and <laughs> CJ Stroud and all of the guys from modern times, because, you know, the stats are all relative, you know, you look yeah. at even like Joe, Joe Montana stats versus Patrick Mahomes stats. They're just different because the game's different. So it is hard to quantify that, but you know, you watch CJ Stroud back there in the pocket and, you know, staring down or, you know, staring down the barrel of guys coming at him against Notre Dame and firing a touchdown pass to, to Xavier Johnson. He took a couple licks against Arkansas state and, yes. and delivered passes perfectly where they should be. Uh, you know, to Marvin Harrison Jr., to Emeka Buka, to Kate Stover. Um, he just looks like – he almost looks like a different player out there, and that's not saying that he's improved or that he's regressed. He just looks different, and it's a different kind of C.J. Stroud that we saw this year so far through two games than we saw last year. It's a cleaner, uh, more efficient C.J. Stroud. I think you're going to continue to see that as he gets his weapons back uh, from injury and as he just gets more comfortable behind this offensive line that really, you know, he's only played two games with as a whole. Yeah, I keep telling people too, man. C.J. Stroud is going to play the position better than he did a year ago. Statistically, it might not be better, but statistics don't tell the whole story. 
I mean, you're going to, like you said, I mean, they want to spread the ball out. They want to get the running backs much more involved than they've been uh, coming off of last year. And so statistically, it might be a, you know, who knows where, where it's going to end up. Uh, he did miss a game last year, but my point is he's going to play the position much better than he played it even a year ago. And I, to me, it's just fun to watch a guy sort of run the offense, man. And uh, like I said, get his scalpel out and cut exactly where you're supposed to cut on a particular play. But, uh, you know, we'll have more to talk about about that after the Toledo Rockets. You got to believe the Rockets are going to launch their missiles, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're you're going to get your best shot from Toledo if you're Ohio State. Uh, this is a team that, you know, a lot of guys from the state, a lot of guys from the area who, you know, probably think they deserve an Ohio State offer end up at Toledo or deserved a better chance at Ohio State and end up at Toledo in particular with one guy. So, you know, I think Dallas Gann will have these guys ready to go. Jason Candle will have them ready to go. And we'll see where it all plays, how it all plays out to him, because, uh, you know, this is one of the better teams in the MAC, and you're, they're not just going to roll over because they see the block out in midfield. Yeah, but did you like my line? The Rockets are going to launch their missiles. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Tim. Okay. Anytime we can get I just one of the sure. analogies in there. I want to make sure you heard it because I know you always got your thinking about your answer. Uh, whatever. Very well done, Spence. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've run out of voice here. Spence could talk all day. Uh, so that's why I said I have him as my co-pilot. But, uh, you know, let's call this let's call a halt to this podcast, Spence. I'm I'm really looking forward to this game only, like I said, to see Ohio State take another step or does it, especially with the conference starting right around the corner. Uh, two primetime games in a row for Ohio State. That'll be three out of four. The first four games, three of the first four games will be on primetime. Um, it's uh, – I think the focus is starting to get more and more on the number three team in the country, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to see it continue to ramp up as Wisconsin gets ready to come to town and then you get the Rutgers game. But then right after that is, is, you know, some, some really tough big 10 matchups that you're going to see Ohio state in at Michigan state at Iowa. Uh, it's starting to feel like football season in Columbus. And I know, and that's always when big 10 plays right around the corner. And so, uh, you know, this is not a conference that's going to be easy on Ohio State by any means. We saw last year they ended up stumbling and not even making it to the Big Ten title game. But uh, that that nighttime game against Wisconsin is going to have a lot of people's attention, see if these Buckeyes are as physically tough as everyone thinks they are. Yeah, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, see we'll if Wisconsin talk about that can next handle it. Ladies and gentlemen, for Spencer Holbrook, my trusted co-pilot, this is Tim May. Until next week, we'll see you then.